Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Last time on that early ch- last time on that early childhood nerd podcast, we wrapped up the episode with. Some of it takes a long time. Some of it takes a long time. And I think that's what I what I hear so often when I make suggestions. You know, someone will share with me a very specific um, behavior. And so first, let me say, you can never solve a problem like, well, he's just out of control. Well, he's just violent. Well, she's just aggressive. Cause that's, but if you break it down into little specific behaviors that you'd like to help them teach, help teach them about, then you can, then you can move forward. So, um, but, but a lot of times they'll, you know, they'll say, well, he, he bites and this is the specific situation he bites in. And this is what we've noticed when we observe and document. And I offer some suggestions. If it doesn't stop the biting immediately, they assume that means it's not working. And so I don't know what I'm talking about. And they're going to go on and ask somebody else and try and get a better answer. And, and what we need to remember is that we may never see, and this is so frustrating, we may never see the success of the social and emotional teaching that we're doing now in response oh. to those behaviors. Yeah. We may never see that. Picking up where we left off. Here's the rest of Heather and Sam's conversation. This is like the worst job if you want closure. If you want closure or quick. quick You're not going to get that. You need spreadsheets if you want closure. And children are not spreadsheets. Or you're going to have to break it down and say, okay, our goal is just going to be two bites a day instead of six a day. (laughs) You know, we're just, we're going to have fewer instead of the same. Or, you know, we have to really be realistic about what the goal can be. Yeah, and really celebrating those victories. Mm -hmm. Like, I had a student who, when he started school last year, just this absolutely primal, guttural yelling at (laughs) everything he did not like. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was developmentally appropriate for everything about his context, including his age. Mm -hmm. Um, We now, last week, someone took something that was near his tray of kinetic sand that he'd been playing with and he turned to them and said, Sarah, you can't take that. You have to ask me. (laughs) You lose your mind. (laughs) Like I had scored a touchdown. I was like, my gosh, wow. Really told her how you were feeling. Mm -hmm. And she gave it right back. Yeah. (laughs) I never heard him talk like that before. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) It, it has taken us a year uh-huh. for him to say that yep. one time. And am I saying he never does that weird caveman screaming? Nope, he does that still. Mm-hmm. He does that still, but now I know that he's learning the skills yeah. that we are so slowly teaching right. him. And we model it every day. We talk about it every day. Sometimes I feel like every part of learning to work with behavior will feel like you're slamming your head against a wall. And that I think is where so much of our instant gratification culture works against uh-huh. us. It's like, no, I did. I documented it last week. <laughs> I didn't working. Yeah. Or this is, this is the other thing just on the topic of documentation. I will often ask somebody if they're documenting the incidents that are, that they're, that are bothering them because I need, just because I need more information if I'm going to try and solve a problem. 
And the answer is always like, yeah, well, yeah, we fill out an incident report. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the time, the date that you gave them TLC and a ice pack and that, you know, he bit somebody. I'm talking about really deep. What part of the room was it? What part of the day was right. it? What were the adults doing? Honest yeah, answer. What were the adults doing at that moment? <laughs> I did this. Have complete, like, Chernobyl-level meltdown. <laughs> and I know a lot of it was my fault. <laughs> and it sucks. Um, because I was not thinking intentionally. And I had told the student previously that in a few minutes we were going to put the animals away because other people had fallen asleep. So we now had to transition to something else. The student was being very chatty with them and very close to another student. Um, told her, didn't tell her again. Then told her when it was time to put them away and I put my hand too close. And she started screaming at the top of her lungs, threw everything to the floor. And it is entirely because I took all of the agency away from her. Yeah. And she does not like that. She <laughs> needs her power. She mm-hmm. needs to be in control. And I should have known that. And for some reason, I just ignore it. darn it, you're human. <laughs> yes. I did that. So when I was writing it down at the end of the day in my little spreadsheet where I document these things, I made sure to write how much of that was on me. Uh-huh. And it was a lot of it. And you will often see in the same spreadsheet about this child when I write about it, you'll see like back in um, November when I was musing about, I wonder how much control she needs. Uh-huh. And I can now look back on that and see where I've messed up in that and, like, haven't given her a place of power and when I have. Uh And things have been really awesome. So that, like, that sort of really deep documentation, it's a lot of what um, Curtis and Carter talk about. Yes, absolutely. Not just time, place, but context, adults, uh other peers. Did they eat lunch? From a place of curiosity. (laughs) like I feel like for a lot of people might listen to this be like but that's so much work Mm -hmm. I have to know so much and yes it is and there's I have no other advice Mm -hmm. it is indeed a but you're going to be spending your time wondering or you're going to be spending your time frustratedly punishing either way you spend the time ignoring yeah either way it's effort on your part and it's it's a toll on you yeah but it's it's positive or negative energy um which is, especially if you've got recurring issues, you know, that adds up over time. And so then you've got this giant negative pile or you've got this giant positive pile. And I you hope you working. all have a giant positive pile. <laughs> right? It feels better. Yeah, that's going to be the podcast t-shirt. <laughs> giant positive piles. I love that. <laughs> okay, how about this one? What about when a child is too short to drink from the drinking fountain? What uh, might we do? Well... I mean, again, I ask, are you thirsty? <laughs> do you <laughs> even really want to drink? <laughs> do, you, do you want to drink? Because a lot of times they're probably just thirsty. Yeah. Um, I will, so I don't have a water fountain in my room, but yeah. I do have some things that are up a little higher, just given the way the room was set up previously. Uh-huh. And a lot of times I ask them, oh, what do you want to do? Uh-huh. And see what their solution is. Yeah. The majority of the time, like they know I have a little stool somewhere, they will run and go grab it. Right. And they will grab the stool and they will do it and then they will continue to build their block tower so that it can be <laughs> eaten um, yeah. So I, I think that goes back to making sure there are ways for them to solve their problems. Uh-huh. 
Um, but also just looking at the environment. Yeah, looking at like, your environment. Like, is there something you can change about right, the water? Right. Like, Perhaps could you, you could simply it? put a stool there. Yeah. <laughs> or should we punish the child until they grow? Yeah, like, or is it, yeah, sometimes it's way easier. Or like, you know, if your first thought is, oh, I'm going to have to hold this child up so they can drink the water fountain and my back really hurts. I can't do that. Well, save yourself the pain and just put a stool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> find the best, find so, an easier which, solution. Which is another key thing to, to be curious about is what is there maybe in the environment that I could add or take away that might help with this behavior or this yeah, so thing that's you've got a, crazy. If you've got a lot of hitting in the block area, how big's your block area? Exactly. Because ours is really small, and I'm noticing that, oh, boy, we got a lot of people who want to build right now, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of space issues. So I'm now trying to come up with ways because I, I'm seeing it sort of, like, results in, like, shoving, like, mm-hmm. you too close. Mm-hmm. So how do I now expand this area mm-hmm. to allow for more building that's still a little bit social because they all like being together but they all also need their own space they're not sure how they feel about other people yet but they like being around them so they're like trying to work that out so that's a be like i see the behavior starting to happen and i'm trying to like, i'm trying to do preventative measures right. at this point and, and that's another area that i get i'm surprised by how much resistance i meet with when i try to talk to people about preventing because and and what i usually say is it's a whole lot easier to prevent it and it's more effective to try and prevent it than anything you can do after the fact with this age group. If we're talking about behavior, uh, I mean, other than intentional teaching and time, but when they're looking for like the response, when a child hits, what should my response be? Well, let's look first at why he hit and then see if we can prevent it in the future. And with biting, I think that's the biggest thing. Oh man, for Um, sure. Because, because there's, they're impulsive. And that's part of their development. It's developmentally appropriate for the children this age to be impulsive and to have a hard time controlling themselves. I mean, think about any time um, an adult tries to quit smoking or change their eating habits or exercise more or, in my case, develop a little discipline about homework so you're not melting down every Sunday. Um, you know, we're all adults and we know those are the right things to do, but we don't always have the willpower and it's perfectly excusable for us. We can think of all the reasons why, why it should everyone should just lay off and let us make these bad choices. But right. when it's children, suddenly we expect this tremendous self-control, just because they know better, or because I told you so, or you know, and, and it just doesn't work that way. And and so I think let's put more energy into figuring out our environment and preventing what we think can be expected, and, yeah. and breaking the cycle from that end of things. And that will. That will require a lot of reflection and vulnerability on the part of the teacher. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like we were talking about earlier, that can be super gross and uncomfortable and you don't <laughs> want to do it because I, I, gosh darn it, I've been teaching for so many years, mm-hmm. but the students have never been like this before. It's all them. Mm-hmm. And in reality, that might not be the case. Yeah. So, I mean, I have sort of a weird response when people are like, well, kids are kids changed kids are different i've been doing this 30 years and it's just not the same regardless of whether that's true or not your responsibility is still to teach and support and nurture and uh so we've got to figure out how to do that in ways that don't make the kids feel gross yeah please don't make kids feel gross right a gross feeling kid isn't going to try to do better you know isn't going to be able to do better and isn't going to trust you when they need your help to do better and i think that's a a piece we overlook too. 
Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my list. Hold on. Yes. Find another one. Um. Yeah. There's a. I don't know why I can't just choose what I'm looking at a whole list. Um, how about someone if a child misses the funnel when they're trying to pour sand through the funnel? What kinds Ooh. of things what might we do to help That's them? Interesting. I had. I've never thought about that one. I've actually seen this. <laughs> I've never like. I've never thought twice about it. I mean, okay. <coughs> is the child in the sandbox when they're missing the sand? So the sand's just like going back in the big pile of sand, or maybe. If the child is like at a sand table and now the sand's getting on the floor mm -hmm. and now I'm like, clean that up. Mm -hmm. It's going to take another 20 minutes out of my day because I guess you sleep, sweep really slowly. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be, you got to be precision, precision sweeping. Right. I think a lot of times people might say, oh, you can't use that anymore. Mm -hmm. No, we have to put that away. We have to put this away. Well, you can't use it right. So we're just going to go put right. it away. Right. Instead of giving that child the opportunity to kind of play with it uh -huh. and see where they're going because maybe they haven't quite understood there's a hole on the bottom of the funnel yet uh -huh. <laughs> and that the sand can go through and that if they put the sand in, it's also going to come out. Um, maybe they are holding the funnel because they want to use it or they were using it earlier and they literally don't remember it's there. I have seen that before. <laughs> like, I, I have a lot of students that just hold on to stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> hand. While they're working with another hand and so you using the boat right now? Like, oh, no. <laughs> I'll give it to somebody else. Um, so they, they honestly might not remember that uh -huh. they have it. So I would, you know, draw some attention back to it. Like, oh, did you want the sand to go in it? And uh -huh. see where that what they say and then see. <clears throat> Sometimes they just need a, a little bit, a little push, a little redirection, and then they can move their arm all the way over and watch the sand fall. Um, maybe that's just too hard of a skill for them right yeah. now. Yeah, so it goes back to observing and knowing what the, what the skill level of the child is. I think it's also giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, sure. I could assume that this child is morally bankrupt because he's unable to get the sand where I want him to get it. Or I can assume that, you know, he just wanted to pour some sand and no, some I of it escaped, you know, and it wasn't all, he's not out to get me. No, I see this all the time with circle time. Uh -huh. And teachers assuming that the kid that is wiggling uh -huh. just can't learn and doesn't want to be there. And the idea of circle time is learning time is like a whole other three years of pod. Right. Um, I have often found that the child that is wiggling, a lot of times they cannot see what you're doing. Yeah. It might be because they just have a vision impairment, like maybe they need glasses, uh -huh. or they're just really far away and somebody else's head is a little bit in front of them, and you're kind of far away, and they really don't know what you're doing. They're trying to see better. So yeah. they're just not comfortable sitting in that, on the floor yeah. like that. Like I, so I have this knee injury now, and I can't cross my legs, and I'm a leg crosser, and it drives me crazy. We had a department meeting this afternoon for an hour and a half and I had to sit with my legs just straight out in front of me and I could not like halfway through I was like this is what kids feel like when we insist on crisscross applesauce oh, oh all they God. can think about is how their legs feel bad and right. they're not and, hearing me anymore oh that that goes back to that same <laughs> little adjustment thing you could do in your environment give the kid a chair yeah. let the kid stand yeah consider why you have circle time in the first place right, exactly <laughs> give it some developmental reflection all right wonder about the intent i mean that that is that could be the answer for every single behavior scenario that that people bring up to me is so what do you think that child's intent was 
and, and this goes back to what you said before we started recording, um, which was, you know, talking about, I'm paraphrasing you and you can clarify, um, what, what is our view of the child? What is our attitude about children? What, what do we really think about children? Do we really, you know, I, I did this presentation at our state conference a couple of weeks ago and it was about um, infant-toddler social develop- emotional development and the limbic system. And um, this, this provider who was in the audience was talking, giving an example of a child who's just got this figured out that, you know, if someone else does this, they're going to do it a little louder because they know that they'll get the attention then. And, if, and this whole, you know, very manipulative 20-month-old who had, you know, just incredible power over the adults in her life. And I said, well, it probably seems sometimes like that's what she's doing, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not her intention at 20 months. And like four different areas of the room groaned and like, oh yeah, it is. I know that child. I've got one like that. I've got one like that. Okay, so you don't like children. Why are you in this? Yeah. You don't trust them. You think that they're out to get you. They think You think that they're manipulative. So why do you spend your days with them? Spend your days with other people. Yeah, no, it's, it's all about... <laughs> Every single thing goes back to reflecting on the question, what do I believe about children? What do I believe about teaching and learning? Because if you believe that a 20-month-old can be manipulative and is doing that to get a rise out of you, of course the way you respond to behavior is going to be different than the way I respond to behavior. (laughs) And then it's simple cause and effect. (laughs) I do this and she turns purple. Why? This is great. Uh, so anyway anyway so what else on your let's, list let's let's sum up a little bit yes. when, when a child has done something that you think needs to be addressed what's your number one thing you think everyone should do my number one yeah. thing personally recommendation what would you say to somebody who's like what do i do when a child dot 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 take a breath is the very first thing <laughs> i would do because a lot of times when we talk about behavior we get really worked up uh-huh um and as then, i am now yes and then <laughs> Ask yourself, why did that child do that? Mm-hmm. And if you're, examine your answer, I guess. If your first answer is because that child is a jerk, maybe also take a step back. Okay, why is that child a jerk? I think this is another Deb Curtis and Margie Carter thing. Always asking why mm-hmm. until you get to the real heart of something. Yeah. Why do you think that child's a jerk? Well, they're always doing X, Y, and Z behaviors. Why are they doing those behaviors? Mm-hmm. Is it because, honestly... They're, they're mean-spirited and terrible, or are you thinking, well, I mean, I, I know that they don't eat a lot at lunch. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we've got something yeah. that we can start to work with and maybe shift, maybe yeah. keep some crackers in the classroom. Yeah. Or, it's gonna help. is this a child who has a lack of experience with this <laughs> kind of situation, or, you know, they're just, that- yeah, always, always asking why I think is really easy. Um, but also hard, if that makes no, sense, because you've got to be really honest yes. with yourself, and that's not comfortable for everybody. Um, and if you get to a point where you're like, well, I don't know the answers anymore, there are there are places, you know, there right. are people to talk to, there are books to read, there are articles. Yes. Yeah, find yourself a mentor and, uh, and, and see if you can figure it out. I would also add um, the question, what did I expect them to do? Mm-hmm. And then explore that expectation. Yeah. Well, why did I expect them to do yeah. that? Yeah. Well, why is that the expectation yeah. in the school? Right. 
I used to also for like just the very for someone who was really new and just maybe not ready for that kind of depth. I would say, ask yourself, is this really wrong or does it just bug me? (laughs) Is this a moral wrong thing or is this just inconvenient and annoying to me? And that will maybe at least give you enough pause to calm down before you take the next step. And I don't want to suggest it's not okay for things to bug you. No, no, no. Bug me but responding sure. from that place. Yeah. It's is, what it's what you do with that information. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Any last thoughts on that one? It's hard. Yes. But it's like really a lot of the heart of this work. Yeah. Is being and, honest with yourself and asking those questions. And I think it becomes more fulfilling work then than constantly really feeling does. frustrated because you can't manage or they won't listen or all those things that you might, you know, get frustrated by. Solving puzzles all day long. It's so much fun for me. I wonder why she climbed up on there. Yeah. Huh. Wonder what I can do about that. I get, should ask her. Get yourself a little wondering hat so you can yes. make a ceremony out of it. Just make it wonder. fun for yourself. <laughs> all right. Now I'm just. <laughs> now I'm just being ridiculous. Sorry. All right. Well, that 40 minutes went fast. It really did. That was crazy. Sorry, listeners. No. <laughs> Don't don't apologize. They'll think we did something wrong. <laughs> sure, I'm proud of that 40 minutes, and I hope you're all still listening. That's right. Okay, well, thank you, Sam. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on another episode. Oh, We're waving at you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> and that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.